What is evil? Well, on one hand, we can understand what evil is, but that's not quite the same thing as understanding how and why evil exists in a world created by God. Today, we face an onslaught of evil on two fronts. First, there is moral evil, that is evil committed by free moral agents, people in such things as war, genocide, etc., And secondly, there is what maybe we would consider natural evil, involving such things as flood, hurricanes and earthquakes. If there is a God and he is all-powerful, then surely there must be an answer to these difficult questions. And that's what we shall be looking at today in Chapter 2 of our free audiobook, Experiencing God. So hello, my name is Jeremy McCandless and you're listening to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And this project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Welcome to this short bonus season three series where over the next two weeks we shall be listening to 14 essays entitled Experiencing God Day by Day. This is an audiobook that originally appeared on my Patreon website as some bonus episodes for my patrons and I'm now making them widely available as here as part of the main podcast. The reason I'm doing this to be frank is to give me a couple of weeks preparation time before we launch out on the huge next series where we will be spending probably at least two months working through the book of Exodus. Can I just say if you're here for the first time then you're most very welcome. And if so, why not click on the subscribe button wherever you're getting this podcast from and that way you'll not miss another single episode. You can then make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. The place where the Bible Project is hosted is thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and if you visit us there, you'll find extra free additional resources like a transcript of each episode as well as links to other places where you can connect with my ministry. Places like the YouTube page, my LinkedIn page, and even places like Patreon where you can connect and support this ministry by becoming one of my patrons. And by doing so, you're not only helping support it financially, but you're helping it grow and bringing more and more people into the orbit of the gospel as revealed in the Bible, the Word of God. So with that said, I'll step aside now and I hope you benefit from experiencing God. I'll see you at the back end. Bye for now. Experiencing God Day by Day by Jeremy R. McCandless Chapter 3 Good and Evil What is evil? It's worth stating right at the outset of this chapter that for 2,000 years Orthodox Christian thought has never considered evil to be something that had an existence independently all on its own. Rather, it is a corruption of that which already exists. This truth can be found in the teaching of the early Church Fathers, including Augustine, who was led to consider this matter in some depth when he found himself needing to address the teaching of a 3rd century Iranian cleric called Mani. 
Evil is the corruption of something that exists and is or was already good. For example, wood rot can only exist if the original tree or piece of wood existed first. Moth holes exist in a garment, damaging it but only in relation to being the destruction of the cloth that was originally there and good. Early Christian thinkers argued extensively for this concept of corruption, with Augustine and others describing evil as being a parasite on that which was good. However, to say that evil does not have an independent existence of its own is not the same as saying evil is not real. It may in and of itself not be a tangible entity, but it involves the corruption of actual existing things and it can be seen and experienced in a very complete and real sense by all of us. In reality, and in its effect on individuals in the created world, they are witnessed and experienced through the mind, motions and will of all human beings. Furthermore, to say that evil does not have an independent existence is not the same as saying that evil is merely an absence of good. For example, the power of sight can be absent in both the child and the teddy bear that that child might be clutching to their chest. However, that does not mean that it would be reasonable to say that the teddy bear is blind, just because it cannot see. On the other hand, the small girl is supposed to see, and the lack of sight in the child would mean that it would be reasonable to describe that child as blind. On the one hand, recognising and understanding what evil is, is not the same thing as understanding how evil can be seen to exist in a world created by God. That is a deeper question. The existence of evil and understanding its place in the world, in its most fundamental form, is played out in a conflict that we can see between two basic ideas of God. God's goodness and God's power. Common sense would tend to suggest that both characteristics of God cannot be true equally at the same time. Solutions to the problem of evil by other religions or philosophies usually involve the reducing or modifying one of these aspects of God's character. Attempts are made to either limit God's power or to limit his goodness. It's interesting that the metaphysical cults and the followers of the New Age philosophies and Eastern mysticism often do this by modifying the very power and concept of evil itself by calling it just an illusion or a force. Clearly, if God himself did not claim to be good, then the presence of evil could be explained away by making it part of the character and plan of God himself. Furthermore, if God were limited in his power, then his inability to withstand evil and its consequences would also be easier to explain. But God throughout the Bible declares himself to be good and is described by others as such, as well as being all-powerful. If evil were in fact just an illusion that had no basis, then the problem could be written off. But evil is not an illusion. Evil is very real. And today we face the onslaught of evil on two fronts. First, there is what is referred to as moral evil. That is evil committed by free moral agents in such things as war, genocide, 
slavery, exploitation, terrorism and all forms of injustice. But secondly, there is also natural evil, involving such things as floods, hurricanes, earthquakes and famine, although many would say famine belongs in the first category. So how come if God is all-powerful and God is good, why then does the problem of evil in the world exist and persist? Prominent 18th century Scottish thinker David Hume put it succinctly when he wrote, Is he willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is impotent. Or is he able to prevent evil but not willing? Then he is malevolent. If there is a God and he is all-powerful and all-good, then surely such atrocities as the murder of over six million Jews by the Nazis, they would never have been allowed to happen. All right-thinking people will agree what Hitler and the Nazis did to the Jews was horrific, a horrific crime against humanity. And many atheists would be entirely happy to call such actions evil when they are confronted with them from the philosophical point of view. But against what criteria do they judge a thing evil in the first place? How does one judge one thing is evil and another thing is not evil for that matter? What is the moral yardstick by which an individual can measure such people and events? By what criteria is evil distinguished from good and vice versa? The truth is, I believe, that it is impossible to distinguish good from evil unless one has an ultimate reference point that can be declared as absolutely good. This definitive reference point can only be found in the person of God. If God does not exist, then there can be no moral absolutes by which we can judge anything or any individual or even be able to consider one's own actions as either good or ultimately evil. Seen in the correct light, the reality of evil confirms the existence of God rather than disapproves of it. However, this raises the question, well then, where did evil come from? The original creation, as revealed in the opening verses of the Bible, is described in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 as very good. There is no evidence of sin, evil, death or even pain at the very beginning. Yet the world today, we see, is seen to be steeped in sin and evil and its consequences. Scripture indicates that the downward spiral began in human history and it began at the exact moment that Adam and Eve used their free will to choose to disobey God. We'll cover that more in the next chapter. This event was prefigured by the fall of Lucifer, Satan, as described for us in the 14th chapter of Isaiah. Some might reasonably wonder why didn't God choose to create humans in such a way that they would never sin and do evil, thus avoiding evil altogether. The fact is, that would have made us no longer human in the truest sense of the word. It is true to say that a world without morality, free of creatures, would therefore be free of sin. Stones, rocks or even animals cannot actually sin. Only moral creatures with free choices are capable of sinning, for there can be no moral responsibility where there is no free will to choose one's response. We must have the capacity to make free choices, to express love. The scenario of a human race without the capacity to sin would reduce humanity to the state of a robot, 
a complicated pre-programmed robot with no ability to respond when asked or to state I love you. Or love anything for that matter. It's true to say that such a robot would never make us sad or upset us and there would never be any conflict between us and it. There would, of course, however, on the downside, be a complete absence of love. In the Western Christian tradition, the marriage of a man and a woman is a fitting illustration of the freedom to absolutely love. When we get married, we are bound by our married vows to one another, but we freely choose to live together in this state. Once married, we are no longer free to have intimate sexual relations with other people. Both parties choose to love in this state of bonded union. No one forces us to stay there. Our love is expressed by having the freedom to make a contrary choice, but choosing not to. Choosing to live within those confines. It is in such restrictions that we are enabled to experience and have the fulfilment of living a loving relationship together as exclusive life partners. You see, love cannot be programmed. It is voluntary. God's desire is that we should show him love by choosing to be obedient and by expressing that love freely. That is why God gave Adam and Eve free will and that freedom is still extended to us right down to today. However, a free will choice will always leave us with the possibility of making a wrong choice. As the famous 20th century Bible translator J.B. Phillips put it, evil is inherent in the risky gift of what we call free will. God cannot destroy all evil without at the same time destroying free will. He created us to be free creatures and it would go against his own divine perfect free will to take away that choice from us. God's character of love is self-limiting, always self-limiting in so far as that it operates and needs to operate within a loving moral framework. Just as he cannot force us to freely accept him, he cannot deny us our ability to choose to love him as an outworking of our free choice. For God to destroy all evil today would mean the immediate application of a force that would destroy all freedom of choice. In doing so, he would also destroy the possibility of all expressions of moral good. All truly moral choices are by nature free choices. No individual can be praised for a moral act unless it was performed out of a free choice. On the other hand, remove free choice and you would also find that an individual could no longer be condemned for acts of evil. This would be because they no longer had a free choice in their decision-making process. Our God-given freedom to live in this world includes our ability to choose, to do right or to do wrong and therefore involves the ability to choose to do evil or to choose to do good. With free will comes the awesome responsibility of personal choice. We cannot have it both ways. We cannot enjoy the freedom to choose and then turn around and blame God when we make a wrong choice or even choose not to believe in him. The Bible makes it clear and we need not shy away from the fact that God's plan has always allowed for the potential of evil, but only insofar as he chose to bestow us, his creative beings, human beings, with free will.
His expression of love always needed to include giving us the freedom to choose. Now this does not mean that the source of evil lies within God's plan. Rather the origin of evil came about because of humanity's decision to direct his free will away from God towards his own selfish desires. God only made evil possible by giving mankind the freedom to choose to reject him. It was humanity that made it an actuality. Had people not rebelled against God in the beginning, we would not be living in a fallen world with all its ill morality and evil consequences. However, the Bible also makes it clear that evil will ultimately be defeated and the victory shall be witnessed by the destroying of evil in all its aspects. According to the Bible, moral evil will eventually be separated permanently to a place from which it can never spread again. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25, particularly the closing verses, tells us so. We also are told by Paul that physical evil will be banished in his letter to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 21, and it is talked of extensively in Revelation chapter 21, showing that each person's freedom is a freedom to love, a freedom to love God, which will be perfected and fulfilled in a separate place from those who have chosen to reject God. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. My name's Jeremy McCandless and you've been listening to session three of our special short bonus season, Experiencing God Day by Day. We'll be launching off together in just a couple of weeks on the next step of our major journey through the whole Bible when we'll be considering the book of Exodus. Please come back regularly as new episodes are posted most weeks, Monday to Friday, as we work together through the whole Bible. The object is to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of our daily lives. There are lots of ways you can connect and access other free Bible teaching resources. The whole back catalogue is of course available where it's hosted on the Bible Project, buzzsprout.com. But if you're looking for a particular episode, probably the best place would be to look on the YouTube channel. Now, although those are technically classed as videos there, they're just audio files with a slide of the actual scriptures being covered. But it's there that over time, it seems that that's the best place to keep the long-term archive of these audio podcasts, because there, of course, we're able to put them in playlist form, not only by book, but as this project expands by themes. There's also places like my LinkedIn page where I tend to put more formal structured discipleship courses like I recently put on there a series of 12 videos on the preparation of sermons. And then there is of course my Patreon on my Buy Me A Coffee page where people have chosen to partner with this ministry and this work and without their help this wouldn't be available free for all of us so I'm so thankful to them and if you'd like to consider partnering with me thereby enabling more and more people to be brought within the orbit 
of rather than just reading the Bible, but actually studying the Bible every day, then you can do that on one of those places there. So with that said, I'll say bye-bye for now, and I'll be back tomorrow with chapter 4, which, interesting in contrast to our study on good and evil today, we'll be looking at how we might experience God by actually knowing what love really is. So I look forward to joining with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye for now.